morning from Coolidge, Arizona. We welcome you to the broadcast this morning. This is June the 19th, 2022, and episode number three of the the question that we are trying to discuss and answer. Are we now living in the last days? That's, That's how people phrase it when they ask that that question, uh, pretty much that way. And their reference, of course, is to the last days that is written in the Bible that they hear sermons about and people preaching and things of that sort. And they're wondering, are we in those last days because of the turmoil in this world? Well, you know, one of the things that I can tell you that... uh, that's historical is the very fact that in every century all the way back people were still asking that question Um, so turmoil is a way of things Uh, but you can uh, do circular reasoning and come to some pretty uh, scary conclusions Uh, we have many uh, so-called Christian groups uh, that were established on setting the date for the second coming of Jesus. Of course, um, some of those groups have disappeared, but some of them are still with us, although they're not talking about their problems on the dating end of it. They always have an excuse. And, of course, Dating wouldn't be a good idea anyway, since we don't really have any way of making those determinations. 
But the question still persists. Are these the last days of mankind and earth and the cosmos that the Bible speaks of? Well, through our previous two broadcasts, I have uh, gave my opinion, hopefully backed up with Scripture, that the answer is no. And starting last week, we started to study the words of Jesus. And those are important words for us to know. Because he speaks of the nearness of the kingdom. He speaks of the kingdom. He speaks of all things Jewish, all things of the first covenant, and many of the things of the new covenant, including uh, references to times, not, not dates, but times and seasons. Um, and of course, a lot of figure, figurative terminology that we find in the Old Testament, Jesus uses in the New Testament. And I think of uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. On that account, we'll, we might look at that uh, today. <clears throat> if you refuse to look and read some of the language in, in the scriptures that is figurative in nature um, that is also used in the Old Testament uh, and that basically is known what it represents. If you refuse that and claim that you'll only use the literal word, well, what is it? what word is it you're using is literal? Is it the English, the French, the German? The, the Hebrew or the Greek, what, what is it that is, you're taking literal? And if you do that, then you, when you go to the context, you're going to find that many times you have to get it, walk away from the literal. Um, because it, to, be, to say that and to be in that camp sometimes uh, is an ignorant place to live. You just can't do it. And the scripture doesn't want you to do that. The scripture tells you there's figurative language. There's um, language that has, relates to other things in the, in the past and the future. There's uh, uh, allegorical uh, language, uh, similes, and all sorts of things that if we just dismiss them in the Bible, why don't we dismiss them in every other writing? No, no, it's it's learned to accept it in other writings, but in the Bible, uh, you you either can take it or leave it. Well, but friends, that's not how interpretation works. We can't do that. So let's just a quick review of of uh, Matthew 24, the first three verses. I hope that if you were listening last week and the week before, I hope you've read Matthew 23 and. Um, because that's a place, that's a good jumping off place to go right to into this chapter. And if you haven't done it, do it, because it's important that you do. So, in the first three verses, we need to understand some very important things so we can understand what's being said. We need to know the speaker. We need to know who the hearers were. We need to know the time that these things took place and the place. 
We need to know those things to relate to what it is is being spoken of. Because if we don't have that, if we can't put that into a correct time frame, then we're going to have trouble with the things that are said that, that follow. Now, as that verse ends, uh, the third verse, I'll just read that third verse again. And when he is sitting on the Mount of Olives, that is Jesus, the disciples came near to him by himself. And by the way, that was, uh, that was Peter, John, James, and Andrew, I believe. In, Ma- in Mark, it tells you the four that came real close, and the others were just a little ways away. They probably could have heard what was said. But those four came and sat down around him. And Jesus said this, or, and, and they, the apostles, whichever one it was, they said this, Tell us, when shall these be? What is the sign of thy presence and of the full age, or the full end of the age? Now the question is, There we have the word end, uh, which is always in reference many times to the last days uh, scenario, but not ever speaking of the end of time or the end of of, uh, the uh, world. Yeah. No. no, That's how the King James often translates it. That's right. So the last days, many times when people say it, they might even say the end of the world. That's what they're thinking. Yeah, the King James uses the end of the world. And the world there, of course, is not world, it's age. But it's more than that, see. It's more than that. It's, it's the, uh, the completion of. All right? Because... In the in the messianic sense, it was he was going to complete the age. He was going to bring it to an end. So they had that fulfill. He was going to fulfill um, everything to do within Judaism, the law. And he fulfilled. Remember, he fulfilled the law in love. So I love that they really had not even been defined as yet until Jesus started to speak to them in the end of his ministry. That's the agape love. That was even a higher form than the, the uh, philanthropic, uh, philanthropic love, where one man would die for another, you know, his friend. So um, the question is, is, should be always spoken of, when someone wants to point this verse out to you. First, the word coming is usually in our English Bibles. So that confuses it because coming, we, we, uh, we take coming as, as a verb. And in the Bible, coming is a verb too, where it's translated properly. Erkamai is, is a verb. We'll even have that in this chapter. But here, in this verse, it's a noun. Because it's the presence of the Lord. 
and it's an event. It's known as the Day of the Lord. That's another uh, issue uh, that is figurative, or not figurative, but descriptive of the things that happened in the end of the Jewish age. It was all things to do with that. So the age, what are the, what, of what age are the apostles speaking? Well, they're speaking of the first covenant age and the end of that age, the last days of the Jewish covenant with Jehovah God. Daniel 12.1 is the reference to this. And, and it says that, it says this. Let me read 12.1 to you. And at that time, speaking of this time, because of all that's come before in Daniel, we're in the time of the fourth beast, we're in the time when the, the mountain, uh, the stone, a rock was cut from the mountain without hands and a kingdom was formed. That is the second covenant, the kingdom of God. This is the time of this. As Daniel prophesied Nebuchadnezzar many years, well, 70 years nearly before this. But here's what it says in the last chapter of Daniel, first verse. And at that time stand up doth Michael, now he's a great archangel, the great head, who is standing up for the sons of thy people. Now, thy people can only be one group of people. It has to be the Jewish people. And there hath been a time of distress such as hath not been seen since there hath been a nation till that time. And at that time, Doth thy people escape everyone who is found written in, the, written in the book? Jesus spoke of this book to his people, to his, uh, his apostles and even others. But this phrase that we're going to read in Matthew 24, this exact phraseology about a distress that has not been seen. Not only that, and I can't give you... Um, the exact place in Josephus. Uh, and I'm wondering if there's a, there's some sort of a um, um, indexing in Josephus that you could find this quickly, but Josephus, as he stood outside of the walls in outside of Jerusalem in A.D. 69 and 70, he said this exact same thing that the distress was such that had never been or ever will be again, he said. Why did he say that? I'm wondering. I really am wondering if in Josephus' mind, this saying of Daniel here became obvious to him. I don't know that for sure because he doesn't go on and say that. But I'm wondering, but maybe it was so, you see, the distress to the Jewish, everything that was first covenant was coming to a conclusion in Jerusalem. Hold up like a scroll. Right. There had been hundreds of thousands of Jews killed in other cities all over the known world in just the previous few years right up to the day 
that the Romans came uh, and encircled Jerusalem. That's the time of distress. And it went on and on from there. Uh, the siege of the city, basically. But if you want to know really about that, read Josephus. He has a wonderful account of it. And of course, in some ways, even the book of Revelation uh, gives a, a uh, an account of it that could only be known <laughs> from heaven. Because it was speaking uh, in a prophetic way in Revelation. So, this is where we're at. Now, as I said, the word coming that's in most of our Bibles, verse 3, is the Greek word parousia, a noun meaning the presence, in this case, the presence of Christ Jesus, the presence of the Messiah. The second presence, if you want to put a number on it, I hate to number it because um, I think it would be wrong to say second. I think there had been other presents, such as the day of Pentecost, such as the birth of Christ, and maybe a presence um, in some fashion in the Old Testament. So numbers are dangerous. The numbers are, when we give something a number, we're making a, we're drawing a conclusion to something that we're not really able to do typically. Now, the presence of Jesus. Let me read a scripture to you that was written in A.D. 54 or 55. It was the second letter sent to the church in Thessalonica. Now I want to start with verse 3 and read through 10. Here the Apostle Paul is talking about when God brings, brings an end to the covenant, when, when judgment befalls the, uh, the Jews and punishment for the unbelievers, the unbelieving Jews, more, more present. So from verse 3, it says, he says this, We ought to give thanks to God, <clears throat> always for you, brethren, as it is met, because increase greatly doth your faith, and abound doth the love of each one of you to one another, so that we ourselves do glory in you. And the we there is always the first person plural referring to the apostles. He can't go beyond the apostles in his references in this way. But they glory in them. They recognize them in their faith. In the assemblies of God, for your endurance and faith in all of your persecutions and tribulations that you bear, a token of righteous judgment of God, for your being counted worthy of the reign of God, for which also you suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to give back to those troubling you trouble and to you who are troubled rest with us in the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with messengers of his power. Now we're going to read of just that exact thing in Matthew 24 and other places. Um, Mark 13 and Luke 21 Along, along with the other 
some of the other places in the New Testament. Rest with us. Rest with the apostles in this understanding and, and, under, and wisdom, if you will. Verse 8, in flaming fire, that's how the presence of Christ is seen. In flaming fire, giving vengeance to those not knowing God and to those not obeying the good news or the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is so clear, friends. When is this happening? Well, that's the good question, isn't it? That's the, good, that's the question we're answering here. Who shall suffer justice, destruction, age during, from the face of the Lord and from the glory of his strength? When he may come to be glorified in his saints and to be wondered at in all those believing because our testimony, our, the apostolic testimony, was believed among you in that day. And, of course, it goes on. And I won't get into some of the more detailed things in that that book at this point. Um, I think we have to understand that um, it's not just parallel passages we're talking about. Because in our English Bibles, in many of the different translations, a parallel passage sometimes only means that some same English word is used. And they'll give that as a parallel passage. That's a dangerous place to go. <laughs> you have to, you can't throw out the context or, or even a, when a word is a noun or a verb. No, you have to know exactly what it is. So, be careful of parallel passages. They're, they're not all wrong. They're not all wrong. Some of them are right on, of course. Yeah. But I think the biggest majority of them are a little bit iffy. But on the other hand, if you're, if you're trying to get a grasp on a word, they may be helpful if you go just that more, one more step and find out what that word means in the original language. And in that verse that is given as a parallel passage. Now that's just a suggestion, but I think it's important to do it. Um, that's how I've learned uh, to know where I'm at. But let's let's move on then to the next verses in Matthew 24. <clears throat> you know, I find that pretty much uh, tw- verses. Uh, four through the rest of the chapter uh, 51, um, everything really relates to what is being asked as a question here by the apostles to Jesus. He's giving them all all the information that's possible, plus he even uses a, a couple parables at the end of the chapter to try to emphasize the point uh, and tells them once again that no man... Uh, not himself or the angels in heaven know the day and the hour of these events. But what he's given is the season and things to look for so that you know where you're at in the time frame. Okay? 
And that's what we'll, we'll look at. So, let's look at uh, verses 4 through 14 in Matthew 24 to start with. And then we'll talk about them. Um, verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one may lead you astray. Now here we have a reference to you. And we need to understand that it's a personal pronoun. as second, uh, second person, which would be the apostle. Jesus is first person here. Second person plural. He's talking to them. The people who ask him the question. Yes, the people who ask the question, not you. You're reading about it. You're reading the, the question and the response as you read the Bible. And it's very good information to you for you to have, but you have to understand this was not given to you. You don't have to worry about seeing these things because this is going to happen as the, as the, uh, as the verses go on. We'll see that there were living apostles right up to what is known as the end. So obviously we are not there, friends. We don't have to look for these things. It would be silly for us to do so, in, in my understanding. Now, if you have a, a better idea about that, please let us know. Yeah, no matter, no matter what anyone thinks, the, uh, what you mentioned last week, Neil, is vital in this is that there's the laws of interpretation. Mm -hmm. And all, all of these things, who, you know, who was it written to? When was it written? What was the subject? You know, these, these things are critical regardless of what kind of document you might be studying. But especially this, you know, and especially something of this magnitude, you know, where we've got just this huge chasm out there of mis, you know, misinformation that, right. that, that the word steers us around completely. It will if we let it. It's like Alex said last week. It's, the, it's what uh, in the book, The Perusia, there's a statement about the key has always been by the door, hanging on the frame, the key. And the key is the word itself. And they've tried to break that door down in every way possible instead of using the key. And the key is the language of the Bible. Grammar. The grammar of the Bible. The words of the Bible. The original language. If they use that key, that door will open. And that's a wonderful statement. And, you know, friends, that was written in the 1870s by a preacher that actually studied his Bible and came to the same conclusion that um, many people have come to. Not nearly enough, though. And that's why we're answering, trying to answer this question for people that ask it. And Jesus goes on in verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they shall lead many astray. That's still happening today, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why people are misled. And you shall begin to hear of wars and reports of wars. See, be not troubled, for it behooveth all these to come to pass, 
but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you, by the way, that you, that's a universal word uh, to everyone today. They're thinking that someone's going to deliver them up to tribulation and even kill them, but the you cannot be taken in that way. The you is exactly the same you as it was in the previous verses. The you is the apostles um, being spoken to. And Jesus is not going any further than that. Remember the conversation. They will deliver you up to tribulation. Isn't that exactly what happened to the apostles? And shall kill you. Right? The apostles. And shall be hated. And you shall be hated by all nations because of my name. And then shall many be stumbled and they shall deliver up one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall lead many astray. That's prophets, teachers, whatever. And because of the abounding of the lawlessness, the love of many shall become cold. You see, that's not a natural thing, friends. That's unnatural. And and it will be recognized as a situation. Verse 13, But he who did endure to the end shall be saved. That's what faith is. That's faith in God's word, faith in Christ, and faith in the uh, promises of the new covenant and the old as far as that goes. Verse 14, And this good news, this gospel of Christ, of the, of the reign, that's the, the kingdom of God. God's reign. Right? So all of it is right there. And this good news that the, the apostles knew about and the reign of God shall be proclaimed in all the world for a testimony to all the nations, and then shall the end arrive. Now this verse is used by both folks in my, my thinking, in my camp, if you will, as to the uh, completion of prophecy, and those that will make the arm, well, there, right there is the answer, they'll say. There's no way that everyone's heard the gospel. And, of course, they're immediately they're thinking about uh, some civilization in the middle of South America or Africa or somewhere they think is um, beyond anything or ignorant. And they'd be wrong in both places, in both thinking. But they'd be wrong. If you're a Christian, friends, don't think that that's true. You know why? Because the apostle, Paul, is going to tell you exactly the opposite. And we know the date. All right? So let's look at, um, let's look at uh, the reference to this in Colossians chapter 1. 
written in A.D. 63. This is a very late letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in uh, Colossae. And we're going to be looking at verses 21 and 29 in particular. Um, and he says, uh, he's speaking of the kingdom. He's speaking of the, the new covenant uh, and, and the Father and the Son. He says, and you, once being aliened and enemies in the mind, in the evil works, yet now did he reconcile. And that's, the he there is Jesus, of course, the Christ. In the body of his flesh through the death to present you holy and unblemished and unblameable before himself. If also you remain in the, in the faith, not in your faith, but in the faith, you have faith in the, in the faith, being founded and settled and not moving away from the hope of the good news which you heard, which was preached in all the creation that is under the heaven, of which I became, a Paul, I became, I, Paul, a minister. Now that's the first reference. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of an over, overall statement, isn't it? In all the creation that is under the heaven? Uh, another way to say that, really representing the Greek word there, is to all the known world. All right? Let's jump down to verse 29. Um for which also I labor, striving according to his working that is working in me in power. I don't know why I have that verse there. Uh, let's go back up to 24. I must have missed something there. Okay. Let me read it. And now rejoicing in my suffering for you and do fill up the things lacking of the, tri of the tribulations of the Christ in my flesh for his body, which is the assembly, of which I did become a minister according to the dispensation of God, that which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The secret that has been hid from the age and from the generations, but now manifest to his saints, to whom God did will to make known what is the riches of the glory of his secret among the nations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we proclaim, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may, uh, may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now who proclaims the mystery of God? The apostles. Now we can proclaim it now too. But we have to reference it back to what the apostles said. And that was, of course, uh, the apostles that had the mind of Christ. This mystery needed to be revealed as part of the new covenant, as part of, of, the, new, of, of the gospel understanding. The mystery that Daniel was told to hide, to keep covered until the right time. That's right. By the way, Daniel saw these things. 
Daniel had an understanding of these things, not a full understanding, but he saw things and heard things that he was told to seal up and not speak about because the time was not right. It was too early. It would have caused uh, maybe misunderstanding amongst the uh, the Jewish people. For one thing, they would have thought it was going to be next week or in, in, a, in a month or in a year. They would have been misled. But instead, it was given a, a time frame uh, that was that was given in words through events. Now, if they followed those events, and, it, and by the way, as I said uh, a couple of other times, uh, Josephus was aware that the that the final kingdom, um, the fourth beast, was the Roman Empire. He said so in his own writing. Now, he didn't talk anything about the, the, the kingdom that would destroy it. That he never mentioned. But remember, Josephus was not a Christian man. But he was a, a very honest historian and a learned Jew. Um, and we don't know anything beyond what he says for himself. So let's not speculate on it. But he had that understanding. So was he the only Jew that understood that that, that, that the fourth beast in Daniel was represented the Roman Empire? I, I don't think so. It, it might not have been common knowledge, though. So I think this is all very interesting. But you see what's being said here. What I'm trying to, to show you clearly is that the the uh, gospel being preached unto all creation, all the known world had occurred by A.D. 63, and maybe even earlier, somewhat earlier. So we can't throw that verse out. We can't say verse 14 proves that Jesus hasn't hasn't returned yet because the gospel has been preached to everyone. You know, when we let's think about that termination that that terminology. First, many people that hear the gospel preached obey the gospel. Many people, many many people hear the gospel preached and do not obey the gospel. And then there's those that we don't we don't know about. Did they hear it? Did they even obey it and we don't know it? See, we can't make that terminology for everyone living in our generation or the previous generation. The only one I can make any reference to that I know for sure that the gospel was preached to, it doesn't say here that everyone accepted the gospel. It only said that it was, it was preached. It was proclaimed in all the world. It was delivered. Now we're getting back to the idea of free will, aren't we? God doesn't force people to, to obey the gospel and be baptized. No, that's what the Emperor Constantine did in the third century. As, the, as Caesar, and uh, he had been converted, him and his mother, so he wanted everyone in the Roman Empire to also be in, in the same camp as him, and 
he had about a 100% conversion conversion rate with those he came into contact with. But as it was said, it was at the point of a sword. That's why he was known as the uh, the benevolent despot. <laughs> so now that's not how the gospel is to be dealt with. God wants people to come freely from their their own faith, from their own their own desire, their own attraction to the gospel, as it says in John chapter six, the draw of God through the gospel message, that draw, not drug, but draw, an intellectual, spiritual draw that you are drawn towards the gospel and towards the things of God to learn of them, not to be to be grabbed by the uh, bootstraps and drug. That's not what the scripture says ever. That's what Calvinism says. But Calvinism is not scripture. It's man's, it's man's doctrine. Yeah, but Neil, you know, it's not a waste of time to mention these things in the course of lessons like this because it gives people, gives us as individuals a chance to search and research and study how some of these religious quote-unquote movements began and there's a lot of people in the world, these atrocities were handed down and, and it separates them from God because they feel like everything is like that. That's right. And I would say that, uh, as Brother David first mentioned, he calls Calvinism the virus in Christendom. It's, it's a virus. Uh, and it's a deadly virus because it destroys your your understanding of the truth. In that way, it's deadly. It's, it's deadly to your spirit. And that's why we speak so ardently against following the precepts of Calvinism. Um, you know, those that speak of Calvinism many times speak of all of a very true and wonderful things. But systemizing it into the Calvinistic doctrine is what's wrong. And it's, and it's certainly not helpful. Now we have other things that, to look at here. Jesus said, uh, see that no one mislead you. Second person, plural. The apostles were hearing this and would be alive, some of them, to see all the seasons and events Jesus would describe in, in this chapter of, clear through verse 51. And as we know, the, verse 14 reveals the time of the end, if you will, uh, in answer to the apostles' question, in a sense. But the date wasn't given. But we do know one thing, don't we? I, that we let read last week, that Jesus also told them that they would not have have been able to preach uh, in, to all the, all the Jews before the end would come. They would not have traveled everywhere they could have traveled. That doesn't mean it was just them. There were others traveling too. That he would come before that day even arrived. Now, are these things in conflict? No, they're not. Because the news news traveled fast in those days. 
uh, people migrated constantly back and forth amongst the, the populated places in the world, and they took with them stories and, 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 and accounts of everything that was going on where they were, and, and they heard what was happening where they went. And that's how they did things. And um, uh, the, these things, this, the way of Christ, the carpenter, and, and uh, the Jewish Messiah, all this was spoken about within the, the world in general, the world of men. Let's go look, look at Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, because we're looking at it again here, going back now to the uh, time of the ascension. And Jesus had gathered the, the apostles together uh, to speak to them. And, and they, were, of course, were still questioning him. Um, and he says in verse 3, let's just read uh, verse 3 through 9. <clears throat> to whom also he did present himself alive after his suffering in many certain proofs, through forty days being set by them, seen by them rather, and speaking the things concerning the kingdom of God. So this is Jesus speaking to the apostles concerning the kingdom of God, right? And, and by the way, there were others also uh, within this group from time to time. All right, and being, as a matter of fact, wasn't it more than five hundred saw Jesus, right? during this 40-day period, and being assembled together with them. Now, the them here does represent the apostles because of everything that's being said, uh, I think, in verse 2. Um, the apostles who did he, he chose out was taken up. Uh, so we have to reference it back. We have to follow the rules of interpretation. And many people want to include... A lot of people in this first chapter and second chapter of, um, well, the second chapter, there is a lot of people, but especially the first chapter. You don't want to be derailed. So, and being assembled together with them, the apostles, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you did hear of me, and is recorded in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Write that down if you are, haven't, uh, weren't aware of it. That's exactly what's going to happen. It's the promise. Verse 5, because, because John indeed, that is John the Immerser, indeed baptized with water for repentance, by the way, and you shall be baptized with the, the Holy Spirit, after not many days. They therefore indeed, having come together, were questioning him, saying, Lord, doth thou at this time restore the rain to Israel? Wasn't he just speaking about the rain of the, the kingdom of God? Now it's the rain of Israel again. But you got to understand these are these are Jewish men, and this is their background, and this is their understanding. But it's going to it's going to change. They're going to be informed. Yes. This isn't an evil thing to say. Remember, 
These are the people of God. Israel. And they had a great love for Israel. They had a great love for the covenant. And they had a great love for the Messiah. And these are all covered in the book of Acts. They are. The book of Acts just takes you right into it. That's right. But see, something is about to happen on the day of Pentecost that these these men are going to understand in a full way. And he said to them, Jesus said, It is not yours to know times or seasons that the Father did appoint in his own authority. Isn't he repeating himself here? He's already told us them in, in Matthew 24. He made it very clear that, that no one knew outside of the Father. And yet they're still asking about it, and he's just making sure they understand this is where you stop with this. It's not theirs to know. All right. Verse 8. Um, and we're going through 9. But you shall receive power at the coming of the Holy Spirit upon you. That is, the, the promise there is, I will come to you. Jesus, the Spirit, will come upon you. That's why the apostles said they had the mind of Christ. So here we get terminology, Holy Spirit, and if you're a Trinitarian, you're thinking the third person, but no, this isn't in right. You've got to take it back to John 14. And you shall be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and unto the end of the earth. And these things having said, they beholding, he was taken up, and a cloud did receive him up from their sight. I'll, I'll stop there. I wanted to read that because it once again stresses the, the idea of trying to set dates and trying to bring to fruition uh, things that are not in your uh, pay grade. To, to simplify it. Not that the question was bad, but it's, it's just something we need to understand. Now, there's much more to go through. We're going to, uh, we're not going to have time today to do it, but we're going to start with in Matthew 24 and verse 15, and we'll go from 15 through 37 and then within that, we're going to find all the information, a lot of information, and we're also going to look at the grammar, and we're going to find that nothing has changed. Remember, all of this happened within a, a, a time in what we would call the middle of the night with Jesus sitting there speaking to the apostles, and he finished what he had to say. How long would it take? Well, maybe uh, two or three hours of conversation, possibly. But, you know, they were tired, too. It was the end of the day. And they always had a big day. Uh, so get, put that into your thinking, and, and you'll, you'll not take this into some futuristic look at it. Give the, give the Scripture the benefit of, of 
defining itself, and it will do it for you. And we'll see that uh, all the pronouns and, and the things within those, those scriptures and the references back um, to the apostles and, and to the Lord himself and all the different words, especially the word parousia. And we'll even find the word urkimai, a real coming, within this chapter where there's a, where there's a movement. It's probably in the middle voice, too, uh, that Jesus is speaking about. Remember, the, the parousia is the event. It's the noun. It's the day of the Lord, the event, the great event. And the other things that may be spoken about it can, can be in a verb form. But normally it, it's the noun that's being spoken about because it's the event. It's future. It's future in all the Gospels. It's future in all the epistles. And it comes to fruition in the revelation in, Revel, in, the, in the revelation itself. But still in a future sense because this is a vision of what will soon be in Revelation. So we, and when we come to the future parts of these passages, I'll try to point them out if, if I remember each time so we know that it is future. So we, we appreciate your, your uh, interest today and your uh, studying with us. We hope these things are beneficial to you, and we pray at this time that you have a, a blessed week uh, as you are serving God and, and uh, finding yourself immersed in his word. And we pray all these things today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.